This is the Monocast, all about open source marketing automation with Montic. And here is your host, Eki Gamble. Yeah, that's right. Hello out there, dear listeners. Hello in here, dear Leons. Hey. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good, and you? Uh, pretty good. Leon, what did you do, do roughly one year ago? Um, I was sitting at my desk and thought about uh, maybe we should create a podcast for Mordicast. Oh, no, podcast for Mordicast. A podcast for Mordic and name it the Mordicast. Cool idea, but that must have been more than a year because uh, a year ago we already had done our first episode ever of oh, the already? Mordicast. It's been over a year already. Time's flying, eh? Oh. <laughs> yeah, so um, congrats to you. And <laughs> congrats to you. And thanks to all you listeners out there for uh, the nice uh, feedback we get from you and for being such loyal listeners. Um, yeah, so without any further celebration, uh, um, <laughs> by the way, we have a huge cake on the table here. Oh, yeah. Just can't eat it because of the mask in our face. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, no, no cake. Um, yeah, this, uh, this uh, episode is titled N8N. So mm -hmm. we have an interview with Tanay Pant, uh, the, the uh, chief developer of the NH N8N product we yep. did talk about that project before as a replacement for zapier mm -hmm. and and all the others in the field and i think it's fascinating stuff it's a good interview so so hold on a second or or stay fast forward if you like <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting i think it's a uh, worth a thought um The routine thing to begin with is latest software releases, Leon. Yeah, so we have two releases actually, the 2.16.4 and the 3.2.1. Um, both are smaller bug fix releases, also um, because of some security issues as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, minor, I believe. Yeah. yeah, and the 2.16.4 is maybe going to be the last Mordic 2 version. There is a blog post in the forum about that. And we will link that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, it's very probably the the last one. Except uh, if if some some serious security thing should come up during this transition period, we'll of course throw out another release, <laughs> uh, and that yeah. can can happen every day. So never, never forget about that. But if not, then this is time for bye bye. So that's what this post is is titled goodbye Mordic 2 it's been good to know you oh right <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> uh, isn't that cool um so and then we had some tiny little event called the Mordicon. It's like a small very efficient <laughs> event yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah the the talks for Mordicon are all online now every single talk was recorded and has now been been published thanks to to everybody involved with with that yeah. part of extra work and big like, shout out it was a Yeah. A lot of work, I guess. Yeah, the entire Mordicon was, but but when Mordicon was over and everybody's still in the afterglow and some had to do the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the subtitles and, and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm glad we have that and I think it's so incredibly good material that we have oh yeah with a ton of talks so and, many good talks yeah. and and a, an incredible quality too mm -hmm. so we, we did have uh, talks in various languages like mm -hmm. like Japanese, if you may, or, or Portuguese, or German. some German <laughs> even, yeah. Uh, the majority in English, of course. And, and the, the topics were all over uh, the 
Play Mordic the domain. Mordic <laughs> yeah, domain. <laughs> um, uh, like like from from marketing approaches to to specific plugins yeah. to Whole variety, high, yeah. high availability and high performance Mordic to the future of Mordic and all that. Um, open source contribution panels we we had <laughs> so much. And uh, I, I really can't point to any specific highlights before because there were so many of them. Yeah. Um, the one thing you should make sure to watch is the keynote, of course, by Ruth, mm -hmm. um, which is not only a really nice keynote, but also is announcing some things officially that we did talk about before but, and that I really feel are very important. Frankly, I'm, I'm lo in love with these <laughs> things. Um, one thing is the Tiger teams, uh, where, yeah, shall I? Yeah, yeah I, just I, give a quick yeah, overview. <laughs> really, really brief, and I hope I get it all right. Uh, the idea is to uh, to approach Mordic development from a different angle, and that is by a very functional perspective. Mm -hmm. So there, Mordic is built of. of a lot of different uh, angle uh, elements, yeah. let's say forms or uh, emailing or Focus tracking and yeah. reporting and all that. Um, and to concentrate as a person on just one or maybe two of those elements and uh, contribute heavily to this certain element uh, makes it really easy to uh, get started yep. because you don't have to know everything you don't, don't have to know all the people you really have a small team to work with and you can really make a dent in the history by making Mordic tracking the best in the world or, or um, making um, emailing uh, way better or, or to to bring all the improvements to the campaigns that, that people are striving for um, yeah and if you pick your spot and uh, no matter if you are a hardcore PHP developer or a UI person or uh, basi basically a stakeholder, like you have business level ideas for something or would like to contribute or improve documentation or answer questions, everything. Uh, the, the Tiger teams are really cross-functional. Mm -hmm. um, and the next step here is to have an overview page of the various ideas and to express your interest to say, okay, this might be interesting for me or that or that. This is non-bindingly, of course. Yep. And uh, to get started, that's the best way to see, to see who would be interested in doing what and then get started with the first handful of Tiger teams. And like so many others, I haven't made my choice either. I, I can't wait to be part of a Tiger team. Same. But I have so many ideas and um, it makes it much easier to start with one. But to pick that is the next step. Uh, for strategic ini initiatives, at the other part that was announced, um, it's uh, a step further already. We, we do have six uh, initiatives that got started that, that uh, people signed up already for, uh, and where Slack channels exist and everything. Oh, but this is the right, now, the right time now to join an initiative too if you are into one of those topics. And let me just read the topics to you. Yeah. Uh, with uh, from very technical or base 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 level or low level topics to all the way to user facing topics, we start let's say from supposer, composer support, mm -hmm. installation and up upgrade process, um, Mordic marketplace, 
resource management, the builders, like mm. the email builder, for instance, is an ex uh, initiative we discussed that with Joey. Yep. Um, and then there's one that's called Mordic Next Generation. Next Generation uh, initiative is a bit speci uh, specific because it it is uh, was spawned off a discussion that, that uh, was pre-existing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'd like to link to that discussion too because I think it's very important for the future of Mordic. And that's also what the name of this discussion is. Um, in general, those initiatives are not a small feature of Mordic, which you uh, care about in the long run or, or over a long period of time. Uh, it is more about a certain milestone, a big leap forward, a, a quantum leap um, that you want to support uh, or and, and make happen by whatever. Again, it's cross-functional. It, it can also in, involve crowdfunding and things like that. And uh, that's more the, the major leaps. And there, there will be more and, and everybody is encouraged to come up with his own initiative or her own initiative. That's why it's called initiatives. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, eh? Okay, uh, Um So that's uh, Tiger Teams and strategic initiatives. If you always wanted to get started contributing or, um, or could be part of something in Mordic, that's uh, two fantastic ways to do that now. Sure. Then also doing Mordicon, there was a little format called Lightning Talks. Uh, like instead of 30 or 45 minutes of, of deep dive, it's just the five minutes uh, Lightning Talk, as the name <laughs> says. And for one thing, there's a very, uh, very, very successful and, and, and great lightning talk that has something to do with the Mordecast. So if you haven't seen that, <laughs> that's your chance to see Leon live. Eh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's another one we did about the tech manager. Mm -hmm. uh, the tech manager did not make it into 3.2 because there were some, some code coverage issue, issues with the automated testing, whatever. <laughs> uh, so that's too bad, but, but the tech manager is available as a, a PR, as a pull request, and also as a patch for your existing uh, Mordic installation. So if you want to do it, uh, take a look at the video and uh, install it, and the link is in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about a little bit more of uh, technical add-ons that fell from the sky recently. Yeah, so we have some news. Um, our friend Stanislav Dinesko. Dinesko. Okay, <laughs> thank you. From Kiev, um, wrote a Mailgun API plugin for Mordic 3. Um, yeah, Mailgun is a SMTP provider. Yeah, email provider like like all the others, and I think that that was really a missing missing feature in Mordic 3 that there was no Mailgun API support so far. Now we have it. Yeah. Thanks, Stanislav. Thanks, Stanislav. Yeah. Super good link is uh, in the show notes. And But that's not <laughs> all from uh, the side of plugins. So Konstantin Scheumann from um, Berlin actually wrote a, a recapture plugin. So you can uh, add that to forms and have a little capture. So people have to fill that in before they can send in the form. Yeah, I, I would guess everybody is familiar with, with the uh, spam issues with every form out there in the internet. There are different approaches. We normally don't do captures or recaptures, but it's very popular. Mm -hmm. So in the past, there were those things like, like 
please type the letters that you see in this picture. Oh, yeah. Or <laughs> then there, there was a, please um, click on every bicycle that you see in these images. And then the more advanced versions of Google Recapture were like, like you don't really have to do anything except check a tech box mm -hmm. and the rest is AI. Um, there are different approaches. Like we don't want to do, or we, we prefer to do honeypot fields. Like we have a hidden fields that users don't see, but bots typically do, and they're mm -hmm. stupid enough to, to fill in that form. Yep. Um, and then we say, okay, throw this away. Uh, yeah, different approaches, but if you want to do a capture or a recapture, really, really now you finally have the chance. Thanks, Constantine. Thumbs up. Oh, by the way, uh, I, I have no idea how this came to happen. I I know he is in, in Germany, but I have no no background on this. So if you hear this, Constantine, get in touch. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a fun little blog post um, side project from our friend Joey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, looks like he was super bored. And uh, what he did was... He installed Mordic on a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, well, <laughs> why not, I guess? <laughs> because he can. <laughs> yeah, and of course, he did a blog post on it, and it's a fun thing, so check it out. Yeah, and and much, much more. There's a lot of things going on, but but uh, we save things for the next episodes. One thing, one tiny thing that we released ourselves was uh, the Mordic 3 support for Auth0 yeah. single sign-on, finally, pretty convenient thing if, if you are using auth zero oh uh, yeah let's let's skip everything else for now and, and move it to later episodes and move on to our interview yeah again this is about uh n8n we did touch on it in in i think one or two modcast episodes two even <laughs> uh, and and uh workflow automation or connecting other apps to modic has been uh, a thing that that shows up again and again yep. uh, this thing is especially interesting i think so we did a full interview and i think it's it's worth listening so let's go okay welcome Tene. i'm very glad to to um welcome you here on the show today thanks for your time um thanks for inviting me yeah um uh, we've been discussing or we've been touching on this topic of work workflow automation time and again in this podcast um, sometimes with Zapier, sometimes with uh, Integromat, and we, we even mentioned uh, the product that you are all about, that's NA10, um, because it's a big deal to marketing automation. We do have the native integrations, but uh, not not so many, so the, wor the world of um, workflow automation basically opens up uh, a, a ton of other applications to integra integrate with. So I think it's it's really important for us. And so it's really very interesting to learn more about your product. Before we do that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're coming from, from and what you're doing today? Sure. Um, so I'm Tane, and I'm the head of developer relations at N8N. And I've been working on several exciting things recently, like helping our community automate a lot of really cool stuff and helping them unleash their productivity. I've been involved in the world of open source and DevRel for almost six years now. And before this, I was involved with the Mozilla Foundation on several tracks. And I've also published books on some of my favorite topics like Firefox OS, WebVR, and virtual assistants on Raspberry Pi. Mm -hmm. 
Ooh, so cool. since I have a background in computer science, um, I'm familiar with programming and software development. So a while back, I learned about this thing called the Lego programming language. Have yeah. you heard of it? Yeah. Actually, yes. Love it. I it's love awesome. the concept. Right? I never touched it, but, but I... <laughs> It's really cool to hear, yeah. So uh, for those of you listening who aren't familiar with it, uh, they use it in their Mindstorms products. And um, those robots from Lego can be made to move in certain patterns by connecting these pre-programmed blocks of movements. So when I saw that first, I recognized the value that it provides in reducing the effort of doing things by abstracting the complexity of making a robot move physically. And then last year, I came across NA10, and like something clicked in the back of my head. Like I could see the genius of having a node-based system with nodes for concepts like conditional logic, along with products and services like Motic to automate things. And this, for me, was like finding Lego for the real world. <laughs> That's funny. I'll add the Lego link to, to the show notes for those who are interested. It's, it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. I don't know whether it's still around. I think it is. I, I, I know they released a new version of the Mindstorms product yeah. like a few weeks ago. Oh, okay, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, <laughs> I hope it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and um, you, where are you located? Uh, I'm located in Berlin. Okay, cool. So, but, but we can't speak German, would we? <laughs> um, uh, I no, for the sake of the podcast, that's not. <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so you're with N8N now, you have been for a while. Um, let's start with the idea of N8N. We, we already, or I, I already mentioned it's a workflow automator and there are others around. Why in the world would you start a new one? So, well, the question I think is why not? So historically, a competitive ecosystem has always led to innovation. And like if you look back into the world of search engines and social media networks, for instance, like there was no clear leader until Google or Facebook arrived. And we can draw similar observations from the realm of aut workflow automation. And most of the tools in this space at the moment are sort of okayish and there's no clear leader. Well, Zapier is kind of a leader, but mostly only for basic stuff. And it belongs to a previous generation of workflow automation tools. Mm -hmm. And if I were to name the three key differentiators between N8N and the other products in the workflow automation space, I'd say open, extendable, and powerful. But let's briefly chat about like what each of these mean and like why you should care about these when choosing a workflow automation tool. Yeah, please. So when we talk about a product being open and N8N specifically being open, it means that you can run N8N locally in your intranet or the cloud. So you can decide who gets access and where your data is stored. So this we see elevates a lot of data compliance and GDPR concerns. Oh yeah. And um, another a few things are like, with the fair code software model that N8N has, you're free to download N8N's source code, self-host with just a few commercial restrictions. You can even download the workflows that you build on N8N Cloud and self-host that at any time if you want. And the source code is publicly available on GitHub. Okay. So this is a bit about open. Now chatting about extendable, so it is easy to augment with custom functions, logic, and apps with minimal engineering effort. So we do have a lot of third-party apps like Motic, uh, Active Campaign, Affinity, and so on. But let's say there's a product that you like, 
and there isn't a node for that yet. So you can always use something called the HTTP request node to call their uh, HTTP API, REST API, and get data from them. Yep. Um, so that's something that uh, allows you to even uh, work on things that aren't necessarily a part of any end yet. And uh, yes, internally we call it the HTTP request node, the Swiss Army knife in any end. And um, other than that, you can also create custom node integrations. Uh, we have well-documented integration guides and examples, and the references that we create in NADN are freely available. We have a dedicated developer relations team and an engaged user community to help answer any questions that one might have while working with NADN. And finally, um, Talk, uh, talking about how N8N is powerful. So N8N's node-based editor lets you map anything to everything. And there's a lot of third-party integrations for popular apps. You can design your workflows with unlimited numbers of nodes and mappings. And you can lo use logic nodes like if and switch to add conditional logic to your workflow as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, let's step a little bit back in time and, and um, let's talk about who came up with the idea for N8N and also particularly, um, what does it stand for? Why N8N? <laughs> cool. Yeah. So the project was uh, started by our founder and CEO, Jan Oberhauser. So he started N8N as a side project while he uh, still had another startup and had a part-time job as well. Mm -hmm. So... And like, it's, it's funny that you ask because we get that question quite often. And like that's one of the reasons we even added that to the README repository on GitHub. So, so our founder, Jan, while looking for a name for the project with a free domain, very quickly realized like all the good ones that he could think of were already taken. Mm -hmm. So in the end, he chose NodeMission. So Node in the sense that it uses NodeView, but also because it uses Node.js, and Mission for automation, which yep. is what the project is supposed to help with. However, he did not like how long the name was and could not imagine everybody typing something that long in the terminal, So, which is why we ended up with N8N. Mm. And I think the, the official way to pronounce it is now N8N, but it was NodeMation not too long ago, is that right? That's correct. Like we, uh, I actually made the change in our documentation and the repositories because we were like, okay, N8N is quicker to uh, speak as well. And I think it was confusing for a lot of people. Should I call uh -huh. it N8N? Should we call it NodeMation? So we just made it explicit, just like pronounced N8N. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was always confusing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, um, Jan did that when? I mean, to start the whole thing? Um... So I think um, he's like he was working on and off on the project, like um, like it was a part-time project. So I'd say like around two years back, mm -hmm. but I'm not exactly sure. Okay, no, um, that, that, that's uh, the ballpark, good enough. Uh, and so it, it got started as, as an idea, and then a part-time occupation or part-time activity of his and, and then eventually he, he got more people on board is it fair description it's just my yeah. imagination yeah no it makes sense because uh, then like he added the project on github and uh, he did the product hunt launch last year which like attracted a lot of people towards anything as well mm. um, on product hunt on hacker news and so on so yeah that's an okay. accurate description now you already 
you already mentioned this term fair code, which I, in my understanding, you folks came up with or are part of. Um, so tell us about the, the concept of fair code and, and in conjunction with the business model of NADN, what, what do you plan to live from? What, what, what are you making money of? How open is this thing in terms of um, um, other people being involved in, in the core development in, in this strategy and so on? So um, help us understand that. Sure. <clears throat> so I think like the idea of fair code has sort of been around even if like a lot of companies don't use the term exactly. But let me talk a bit about fair code and what it is. So fair code describes a software model where software is generally free to use and can be distributed by anybody. It has a source code openly available, uh, can be extended by anybody in public and private communities, but most importantly is commercially restricted by its authors. So let's chat a bit about what sort of advantages a fair code ecosystem can have for different groups of people. So for project, uh, project managers who choose fair code, it increases the chance of making the project financially viable in the long run. But even OSI approved open source projects win because fair code projects are generally better financed than their open source siblings. And this allows the fair code projects to help them financially, just like we do at NA10. And after all, it is in the interest of fair code projects as well that its dependencies are properly maintained. And other than that, fair code also has advantage for its users. They all can use the project totally for free, exactly like any other open source project. And additionally, they know that the company or person behind it is financially healthy, meaning it will probably not only just stay around for a long time, but also that they can hire people who fix bugs, create new features, create documentation, and answer questions in the community forum. And um, we chatted about, um, I guess, like the nature of the product. So NATN is a community-backed product, and like we greatly value transparency and collaboration when interacting with our community. So I mentioned earlier, like I was part of the open source ecosystem for a long time before NATN as well. And uh, being a part of many communities, one of the things that I greatly value is transparency. So when I'm volunteering, I appreciate knowing about what things are going on from multiple standpoints, like the company's mission, the vision, the product roadmap, plans for community and so on. And I feel like this leads to a healthy and sustained growth of communities. And uh, similarly, we want to ensure that our community understands where we are going and what our mission is. And that is our job to communicate, because if people join the community for reasons that might not be aligned with our values, uh, they might get unhappy after a while, and we definitely don't want that. Okay, so um, f from looking at, at, the, at w what is visible um, from your con community online, um, it seems that, that there is a, a pretty good activity. People are very much engaged and, and enthusiastic about NADN, of course. Um, this, this whole notion of fair code, or, or prior to, to coining the term, um, the business model, um, has been a point of discussion because for everyone who comes from a free and open source perspective, it gets, gets a little bit to, to get used to it, or they have questions which were originally mm -hmm. not answered. I think they're much better answered now. Uh, for us, as a 
um, coming mostly from a marketing side. People are not so uh, religious about open source. And, and uh, I think it is a very fair business model in my mind. And um, it, comparing it to other um, flavors like completely commercial or completely open source, free and open source mm -hmm. driven. Um, this looks to me like like an attractive com com uh, alternative, and after all, the result is w what what uh, what counts, and that that not only means a good product, but also the 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 future proofness um, and the, the dynamics in it, and so far all that looks pretty good, and I think I, I like it a lot. Um, you did touch on on. Well, comparing to competition, maybe we should not go too deep into that because um, it, what, what you said already is a fair description um, and we should maybe step back once more and explain to people how, how your sort of uh, integration works in general. So, so when I want to um, glue together application A and application B, What does it take? You, you talk about about the notion of nodes and, and trigger nodes and so on. Um, so, so what what is the interconnection and what is in between it? <laughs> sure. Um, so there are two main node types in N8N. So those are trigger nodes and regular nodes. Mm -hmm. So the trigger nodes uh, are the nodes that start a workflow and supply the initial data. So a workflow can contain multiple trigger nodes, but with each execution, only one of them will execute. And an example of that could be the Motic trigger node, which will start a workflow when, let's say, somebody submits a form in Motic. Mm -hmm. And then we have the regular nodes, which do the actual work in a workflow. I mean, we call them regular node now for the lack of a better term, but I'd say they're extraordinary nodes. Yeah. Um, so they can add, remove, and edit data in the flow, as well as request and send data to external APIs. Yeah. So they can do everything possible with Node.js in general. And an example of that would be the Motic node, which can deal with resources like company and contacts within Motic and handle uh, crude or uh, create, read, update, and delete operations. Yeah. Okay. Um, and now... You, you stated that it is very easy to create your own things, but but um, well, if we, we look at Mordic today, we don't have a trigger node as far as I know. Um, what is a typical process for creating that? What, what is uh, the, the role, the split of roles? What, what would you do? What would I do if I want it, if I'm a developer, if I'm not a developer? What, what is the approach? Uh, so we do have a Motic trigger node, by the way. Oops, um, sorry. <laughs> uh, no worries, no worries at all. Um, so, okay. Um, so there are three main avenues when it comes to how we uh, select nodes uh, to decide which ones to create next. So first of all, we look for requests in the community forum to learn about what kind of nodes or uh, functionalities people would like to have in N8N. Then we think about what kind of nodes would be helpful for us since we use N8N quite heavily for different processes internally and are always looking to automate a lot of our current manual processes. Mm. And finally, we also look for interesting use cases where N8N can be helpful. So that gives us insights about which nodes to add as well. 
So once we know about what are the next nodes that we want to build, one of our team members starts working on it. Uh, once the node is ready, somebody outside of the engineering team does a usability review. And we do this to make sure that the new nodes are intuitive, easy to use, and work in a way similar to the nodes in NADN. And after that, the nodes get merged into the NADN repository and get released with the next version. And we usually make a release every week. And uh, in this process, I had been scouting for the new nodes that we should build. So I also support the usability testing for these nodes. And uh, funnily enough, since last week, I have also created five new nodes. And I must say, creating nodes for NADN is quite addictive and fun. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Um, I'm currently looking at the repository of, of nodes that you already have. And uh, yeah, well, the, the first commit on the modding trigger node was, was in January. So my God, wh how could I miss that? <laughs> um, now, um, once again, if, if I am in a position where I think I would love to have a node, node, um, but don't think I can do it myself, is, is would I would I approach you? Would I pay you? Would I try to find somebody else? Or what's what's a, your recommendation here? So you can request new integrations to be added to our forum, which is community.natn.io. It's mm -hmm. a very active forum. Mm -hmm. And there's a special section for that where the users can also upvote if so that we can know which integrations are important and should be created next. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, and so in, in general, do you have, do you have a, any, any data or any gut feeling about the the dynamics of the coverage so how many nodes did, did you in total add in the last six months or so or do you have any any of that numbers in the last six months so i i don't have exact numbers mm. um but i can give you i think and f I, I probably know this because um i started documenting the different nodes for our documentation mm. and i remember when i started they were around 120 and i joined around six months ago mm. oh. and uh, today there are more than around 200 nodes okay cool the reason i'm asking is that that um for Anybody who's using Mordic and trying to make a decision about the workflow of Mater, um, obviously the, the um, sustainability of that decision is a big deal. It's not like it's not interchangeable at all, but, but if I go this direction or that direction, then I want to have a, a solid understanding or trust that uh, this is the right one. And, and even if a, a an application is not there yet it may be or may very well be in the future it's not only that i can do things for myself we can always do that in open source but that this is a a project that's striving etc and what what you just told us uh, sounds like like that's absolutely the case um so do you happen to know the state of the Mordic integration itself because i, I did talk to other people prior to this interview uh, after all, um, those who pointed me to this topic and said, hey, there's such a lot of things going on, why don't you talk about it? Um, so do, do you know any internals about that? What's going on there in terms of improvements? Or would you say it's perfect already? 
Oh, no, of course. So right now we have resources for uh, company contact as well as contact to company in the Motic node. Mm -hmm. And um, these enable the users to automate things like creating, reading, updating and deleting companies and contacts from Motic mm -hmm. using an NA10 workflow. Uh, moreover, it allows you to add or remove a contact for a company. So these are like the current operations or resources that are available in the node. Uh, however, like adding new functionality to an existing integration is, is usually not that complicated. So chances high that we can add new resources or operations if requested quite fast. And uh, the NITM team moves very quickly. <laughs> okay. And uh, since our project is on GitHub, like we have a lot of contributors sending in pull requests for the functionalities that they'd like to see in NITM as well. So the Modic community is also uh, very welcome to jump in and add the features that they'd like to see in NITM's Modic node. It's a whole lot of fun. Okay. Oh, okay, I see. So it's it's when, when I look at the trigger node, it's basically what sort of things can trigger a workflow. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, I can think of a lot of things. And when, when I, I have to admit, I, I always go back to things that are, are existing in other um, integrators. Then mm -hmm. um, that gives you a picture. And, and when you think back um, to things that are missing there, there's a good, good chance for us to get, get better here in N8N than we ever were in, in those others. So, mm, cool. Uh, what else is coming next in, in the NITN universe? Is there any, any groundbreaking new directions or, or uh, any news? Um, so something that we are actively working on is uh, scalability. So mm. I don't want to say too much, but for sure very exciting things are coming in the NITN universe. <laughs> okay, but, but uh, today the typical... Um, I mean, when you say scalability, that, that refers to, to the infrastructure, to the server, and th that is typically self-hosted today, right? And mm -hmm. um, um, scalability in terms of um, how many workflows can be processed per, per hour or so. Um, do you have any real large inst installations that you can talk about or, or mention by name or, or number? Or what, what, what size are we looking at when you say scalability? So uh, scalability, like currently in NITN, some of the things are scalable. Like if you're getting data from webhooks, like webhooks in NITN, for instance, are mm -hmm. scalable. Uh, but when we're talking about scalability here, it's, it's also about the infrastructure itself, mm -hmm. um, like how NITN works, so like the core internals of NITN. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, like some of the cool use cases, so to speak, that I've seen uh, from the community is like uh, from a company who is using NITN on ships. Um, so they're using it for a lot of checklists and processes there. So that's quite interesting. We actually did an interview with them mm -hmm. uh, that we have up on our blog, so medium.com slash NITN hyphen IO. Mm -hmm. So we have some cool stories there from the community members who are using NITN in a different variety of ways. Okay. Good, then, then I just point to those in the in the show notes. So that's a good idea. Okay, um, you did mention it in the very beginning, but I want to point out to everybody what a big deal it is to have this thing self-hosted, potentially. Um, the, all the GDPR issues that you normally have, 
uh, are magically gone because it's all in your own hands. It's just like with Mordic itself. Uh, <laughs> so you just need to look at the receiving end or uh, sending end, whatever, on the opposite end that may or may not be in other people's hand, but, but it, it is drastic, drastically reducing everything because you're not piping all those uh, personal data through a third party, which I, I love and I think it's, it's, a, it's a, an absolute winner feature, killer feature. That's a very fair point. And I, I remember we briefly talked about like what differentiates NA10 from other products in the workflow automation space. And like other than that, like uh, some of the highlights based on what you said, it's like I had to mention is security, like having the option to browse through the source code helps enterprises and individuals really elevate a lot of their concerns regarding their data. Because in other cases, you're essentially sending your data to a black box where God knows what happens to it. And uh, this is, of course, complemented by the ability to be able to self-host your NA10 instance so that all the data that belongs to you stays with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big deal, definitely. Um, yeah, and since the source code of the company is on GitHub, uh, people don't need to worry about things like the product going away or the company going bust, because if something like that happens, people can still keep using the workflows that they created. And uh, finally, there's the topic of pricing. And I know that with a lot of workflow automation tools, there's a lot of different nodes and operations tend to get extremely costly because with these other tools, they have this thing with per operation pricing that these tools have. And they this like this model hampers creativity in my opinion. Because workflow automation tools exist for a reason. And it's to make our lives easier by not only automating the simplest of our tasks, but also the more complicated ones. And it makes me a bit sad to see like pricing models like this limit people by making automation like point A to point B the norm which can sometimes hamper productivity. And like you don't have to worry about that with NA10 because we believe in fostering productivity and our product reflects that. So if you're self-hosting NA10, it is free to use. And if you're using NA10 Cloud, the pricing model is per execution of the whole workflow. So let me actually share an example. Um, so like it's, it's interesting because you asked me about like number of nodes six months ago and now. So when I joined, like uh, one of the things that I picked up in the beginning was to document each of the nodes, like show what kind of example workflows they can have, uh, some FAQs and so on, right? And at that time around, there were, I think, 120 or 130 nodes. Mm -hmm. So working on such a large number of nodes to document them and what happens is every week the team releases so many different new nodes. So, you know, if I'm working on documentation, go on a vacation, come back, like it's, it's tough to have a good process to find out like, okay, which nodes have I already documented and which ones need to be documented more to have sort of a good overview. Like that was a bit difficult for me. So what we did was... Um, we have a strappy system which uh, we update every time there's a new release mm -hmm. and it contains like the data of all the nodes like what nodes are in the latest release um, and that is actually what populates the na10.io slash integrations page so we have a graphql endpoint for that so what we did was we built a workflow and uh, this actually runs using a cron job every Monday, so we get information on what's the state of documentation. Mm -hmm. So we get data from the uh, GraphQL API about which nodes exist, and the URL of the documentations are such that 
there's a correlation between the name of the node and the URL. So using the HTTP request node, we send requests to all the nodes. So in case we get a 404 from the HTTP request node, we know, okay, this node has not been documented. So now we run a cron job every uh, Monday, but we also have a slash docs command. So if we do that in Mattermost uh, or Slack, that basically gives us mm. like, okay, this percentage of the nodes are documented. These <laughs> are the ones that still need to be worked on. Yeah. And uh, why I bring up this example is like, so HTTP request node, if you just think about that, it's going to send around 200 requests at this day to find out, okay, has this does this page exist yeah. or does this page not exist? Uh -huh. So workflow like this would end up counting as more than 200 executions and other workflow uh -huh. automation tools, and yeah. that's going to cost a lot of money. So in N8 and this N8 and cloud, this costs uh, this counts as just one execution. Mm. So with N8 and you can truly connect anything to everything. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about that for a second. Is uh, N8N Cloud is that the actual business model? Is that what what you are earning money with? What pays pays your bills, or, or what what other services or products do you offer to, to clients? So we have two main avenues for when it comes to our business model and how mm -hmm. we monetize. So first of uh, it is what we already talked about is our hosted offering in it in cloud. Mm -hmm. And then there's licensing. So since we are uh, fair code licensed, companies or individuals who want to build on top of Anytin mm -hmm. or make it a part of their product need to obtain a license from Anytin to mm -hmm. be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's better for companies this way because that they have to get a special license because they want to integrate it into their paid offering. So mm -hmm. like, sure, they have to pay at the moment, but when the the money that is made from these licensing deals goes directly back into the project. And this is a project they depend upon a lot. So the money is not actually lost. It helps to make the project better, which in turn also improves their offerings. So like this model in our eyes, uh, with the fair code model, everybody wins. Mm. Okay, so no need to defend that, but but um, <laughs> I know that this is probably on many people's mind now. What do you mean integrate in their product? If you, if I think of a Mautic SaaS provider um, who is also um, hosting uh, an N8N instance, maybe themselves, and, and uh, offering the workflow mechanisms to their customers, potentially hundreds, uh, would that be an example of... of uh, integrating in a product and thus being uh, license licensable um yeah i'm, I'm, I'm honestly not quite 100 percent sure about it okay so um so ignore the yeah, question licensing yeah. is usually a topic that jan deals with at the moment okay okay no problems yeah. maybe we, we can follow up with that and i put it in the show notes too we can do that yeah, yeah or I, i make a post or something about it Because I, I do think it's 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 interesting for many Mordic users, but but especially for SaaS providers, um, it it is uh, definitely an option. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so um, when when people are new to N8N and are using Mordic already, um, first steps would be to sign up with N8N and uh, play around with it. And any any tips where to start? 
yeah i'd really recommend heading over to docs.nhn.io like our team has been really working on making onboarding for new users really easy mm-hmm. um so we have things like quick start guide we have uh and a workflow creating your first workflow so we guide them step by step uh how they can get started and create a workflow for themselves um and then like we also have pages for each doc for each node so like what you can do with it example workflows so yeah um once you are in that editor ui it's a blank canvas waiting for you to design workflows and the possibilities are endless <laughs> lovely i'm looking at it right now and then that's even that's one more link for the show notes i think we have, we have a bunch today and um Uh, a, a ton of content uh, this is so exciting and uh, i thank you so much for all those insights is there anything else you want to add before i let you go um no nothing that comes to mind um i think we covered a lot yeah okay perfect um i would encourage everybody to try it out and also to bug maybe not you personally but but uh, touch base with the, with the NHN community and then make it even better for Mordic. so thanks so much for your time i appreciate all your work and um, take care stay safe thank you thanks for having me it was a great great thanks, show Danny. take care bye yeah quite an interesting yeah m- model of licensing i've never seen that before in that way Maybe I'm not too familiar with it, but it's well, no, pretty new to me. Really invented it themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but it's it's uh, fair enough, really. I mean, I, I understand that they want to find a business model they, they can live live on and pay the bills from. And uh, still, it's it's good for Mordic and uh, it's a fair, mo- fair model, I, I believe. Um, the thing we discussed in the uh interview but but could not really nail down i i followed up with with tanai and asked him about the licensing exactly Mm -hmm. um and he confirmed to me that this rule that that whoever is is reselling n8n or bundling it into a product is obliged to pay license fee mm-hmm. uh, translated to Mordic that applies to Mordic SaaS providers. Yeah. So if you are hosting your own Mordic or if you ha- have a hoster doing that for you, then it's free. For SaaS providers, it is uh, it is uh, licensable. Yeah. Is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, it's certainly still different from from any other. Um, workflow automator <laughs> because True. for one thing it's it's less expensive and the other thing is that it is uh, local it is not handing out handing data to others to third parties to to other countries whatever <laughs> yeah. so if you are in GDPR area CCPA whatever there's another point that's interesting for you uh, also if you make your own experiences here or already made i'd be curious to learn about it oh Would yeah sure please uh move on from theoretical uh impressions <laughs> to real life experience and especially to any critical things that may kind of come up or may get solved over time etc and, and just make the modic universe a little bit richer yeah speaking of <laughs> that speaking, um, yeah. <laughs> um it's been uh, handful of weeks now not 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 even um um since modicon is over and we are already discussing 
Mordicon 21. <laughs> In fact, we already discussed that during the closing keynote mm -hmm. and um, this went on and is already uh, shaping oh, wow, okay. in an interesting way. And, and the one learning we had with Mordicon was obviously a an online event is a truly global event. Yep. Uh, we could never have done this in an on-premise scenario. No, never. So do we want to go back? No, we don't. But on the other hand, we do miss the physical meetings, uh, even with uh, people from other countries and talking, uh, experiencing, experiencing people live. Yeah, it's different experience. Live, oh. Drinking some non-alcoholic beverages live. <laughs> Uh, and maybe more. So, whew, yeah, let me just jump to the thinking we have now. Um, one thing is we do want to keep this global online event. We don't want a, a hybrid uh, event. We do want the full thing as we had in 2020. Mm -hmm. And we want to shift from, from the November slot to a Q2 slot. So sometime before summer, maybe Ooh, yeah. early June, um, would be the new place for the online global Mordicon, whatever the name is. The name will probably even change. Uh, but if we say Mordicon, we know what we mean. So there will be an online Mordicon, as, as far as we know, in early june 2021 that's our best guess today um for the physical thing the idea is to have a physical morticon as a second event in the year oh nice it's some place in the world mm -hmm. uh, for that place in the world so for instance if we start with with a morticon us in 21 or Mordicon Europe or you name it mm. um, then that's for the US it is of course open to the entire world but but it is not expecting the entire world to attend oh, okay we, we will of course also stream things mm -hmm. and uh, or at least record things etc but, uh, but it is primarily a non-premise event so yeah. um, it's a it's two twofold we have the online event and we have a per content uh, on-premise event we're, we're not going to do many contents per year we're probably you know we we're definitely going to start with only one continent in 21 yeah over time we may do more but but if nothing else we will we will do maybe us and you know europe or asia or whatever else mm -hmm. uh one per year maybe more over time time yeah. will tell time will tell yeah, so that's the plan. Um, so f if you feel like you have a lot of time to spend, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's going to be more work even, but it is, of course, um, a good thing for Mordic. We did, we did get so much feedback about Mordicon that it was crazy important for Mordicon. It not only no. huge success and, and good, good content, good speakers, as, uh, but it was just for the entire uh, s state of Mordic, it w in a Super very, very good sign and a very good uh, inspiration for everybody. Okay, so it's worth the work and, and I can't wait to see both things happen in yeah. 21. I'm super excited as well. And now coming from uplifting news to a bit more mellow news, um, the unofficial Mordic newsletter by Chris Calabro 
has yeah sadly been discontinued uh, so he stopped uh they are doing it stop the press <laughs> <laughs> but there are good news because the marketing team invests some energy and time to create an official modic newsletter and in the meantime we as the modicast decided to put together our show notes and um yeah send them out as a newsletter once or twice a month yeah whenever we publish an episode <laughs> huh, right then you will get the uh, <coughs> yeah the new modicast newsletter and Yeah, that's pretty much similar light way to what Chris did, I guess. We don't know yet when the official newsletter is going to be there and in what form is going to be there. So we thought it's it's good to to just fill in the gap by the things we have in the podcast anyway and, and send it to you if you like. So link in the show notes, right? As always. Uh, well, oh, surprise. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead, check it out. So I think we're almost done for today it's one more thing i would like to bring up oh and that is a little bit of getting back to the 12 years of modica <laughs> 12 years of modica <laughs> not, not right <laughs> uh, 12 months of modicast um we have a really full pipeline of topics oh, ahead yeah. of us and interviews and everything there's just one thing i would like to talk about more and that is things like case studies success stories mm. uh, real life use etc so if you are a user of Mordic and have something to talk about, um, I'd be really happy to chat with you in a shorter or longer interview as, as whatever you like. Same if you are an agency and as long as your customer agrees with it or they even want to join the conversation, I'd be really happy to to have that talk. It doesn't have to be crazy fancy. Um, it should be somehow interesting um but but also nobody re really uses every corner of modic or any other marketing automation most people use one thing heavily and the other things more lightly yep. um some have interesting integrations some have interesting use cases like like we currently have a project where modic is used for partner management not for a sales funnel um or support th uh, things, th onboarding th stuff. Um, so if you have any stories like that, any uh, ways of using it or technical impl implementations or maybe large-scale implementations, etc., I'd be really interested to hear from you. Yeah, and of course, uh, everything else, every, every other sort of feedback as well is always appreciated. Very appreciated. Yeah. Especially if it's uh, comments or hints or criticism of, of sorts. Um, we want to get better. We want to be on a different level in 12 months from now, yeah, just like Mordek will be. And um, yeah, we appreciate your time and loyalty and uh, we talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye.